Excellent. Well, we're going to carry on um, with our series and actually uh, finish the teaching of this, this series this week that's been called House of Prayer. And if you're visiting with us, if this is your first week with us, it's okay, it's all recorded, it's all online, so you can just go to our websites, our social media platforms, and listen back over like 11 or so weeks of teaching on House of Prayer. But this is our final week of a series, but it's not the end of the journey or our desire. We don't want to pack away the thought of how do we become a greater praying church. We want to keep that conversation open and move from just teaching to putting on more prayer meetings, encouraging prayer in our life. So please don't feel this is the end of our emphasis today. We're just moving on towards Christmas and shifting the teaching towards that. Today we want to look at another key aspect on effective prayer, and it's called spiritual warfare. Now, again, this concerns us together. We need to be a church that understands spiritual warfare, but also it involves you, the individual. You need to understand that there needs to be the power of successful spiritual warfare in your personal prayer life, but you won't unless you know what it is, and that's what we're going to look at today. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, this is a huge topic, like many of the others, when we speak about intercession, Pastor Gina did a great job encapsulating some thoughts, because that's a huge subject, types of prayer, huge subjects, but we wanted to give you an appetite to dig deeper. So today, I'm not going to try and answer everything you need to know about spiritual warfare. I'm going to seek to bring an overview, if that's okay, but then encourage you to go ahead and dig deeper. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, maybe you've been saved or been walking with Jesus a week, and you're like, what is spiritual warfare? It sounds aggressive, doesn't it? Spiritual warfare sounds violent. And indeed it is, when we understand what it is. But when we speak about warfare, we think about fighting, we think about taking ground, getting victories. And that's what we do when we talk about prayer and spiritual warfare. Now, it sounds aggressive, it sounds violent. To some, it could sound potentially weird. You came to church this morning, someone invited you, now a guy on stage is talking about spiritual warfare. It's okay, it's something we can all do when we understand what it is we need to do. It's actually an important aspect of prayer, so don't get put off by the title. Here's a couple of good explanations I heard. The first one is from Wikipedia. Anyone ever heard of Wikipedia? I wondered what Wikipedia had to say about spiritual warfare, so I took a look. It says, spiritual warfare is the Christian concept of fighting against the work of preternatural evil forces. It is based on the biblical belief in evil spirits or demons that are said to intervene or interfere in human affairs in various ways. Now, preternatural means beyond what is normal or natural. So Wikipedia says that when we look at spiritual warfare, we're looking and acknowledging the concept of a fighting that we do in prayer that deals with things that are happening beyond the normal or the natural that we understand. 
Another great unpacking of this I found in a place called gotquestions.com, which is a Christian site. It says, there are two primary errors when it comes to spiritual warfare, overemphasis and underemphasis. It's true. You've got some people who are overemphasizing and being weird, and you've got some who are underemphasizing and missing out on the power of what happens in a spiritual realm when we pray. Some blame every sin, every conflict, and every problem on demons that need to be cast out, while others completely ignore the spiritual realm and the fact that the Bible tells us our battle is against spiritual powers. The key to successful spiritual warfare is finding the biblical balance. I like that. Jesus sometimes cast out demons out of people. Other times, he healed people with no mention of the demonic. Sometimes he spoke to the demonic and cast things out. Other times, he spoke to the sickness and saw the sickness healed. He knew how to operate in the unseen, but he also knew how to operate in the seen. Everybody with me? Now, I'm really trying to keep this as simple as possible today, all right? The Apostle Paul instructs Christians to wage war against the sin in themselves, Romans 6, which means we don't, we don't blame bad behavior on demons. We look in the mirror and we own it. And we deal with problems that we're creating and we don't blame devils and demons. But equally, it warns us to oppose the schemes of the devil, Ephesians 6. We oppose the schemes and the plans of the devil, not just in this natural realm that we know, but in an unseen realm, which we will call the spiritual realm. You all good with me? So where does um, spiritual warfare begin? I believe it begins with understanding that our life has two very realms or expressions that are a part of it. Let me unpack that a little bit. There's a natural realm and there's a spiritual realm. Now, if you're from the West, you are less savvy about this than people who are from continents like Africa and Asia. Often it's in the West, we don't have an understanding or acknowledge that there's a spiritual realm that's not just real, but more real than the realm that we know and we naturally function in. But it's all good, we can all learn, right? There's a seen physical realm and there's an unseen spiritual one. I connect to the natural realm with my natural body. I connect to a spiritual realm with my spirit and with my spiritual prayer life. Now, the spiritual realm is more real than we know and has more of an effect on our natural life than we know or realize. And it's true. A lot of the problems, a lot of the things that you are going through in life have a natural expression. It's really happening. But often there's something happening in the spiritual or in a spiritual realm that you can't see with your natural eyes, but is very real and very present. 
Now, many things can be happening in and around our lives in the realm that we see with our physical eyes. Now, an example of this would be Daniel. When you read about Daniel in Daniel 10, verse 12, it says, Daniel prayed and then for 21 days prayed and fasted. On the 21st day, an angel or a messenger came from the Lord and said to Daniel, God heard you the moment you prayed. All right? For 21 days, you can read this in the book of Daniel. It's not weird. It's there. There was a fight in the heavenlies, in the unseen, between the angels of God and the fallen angels of the devil. The angels of God overcame the enemies of God in an unseen realm that you were not seeing, yet now we bring the answer to your prayer to the realm that you understand. Everybody with me? Many times in the Bible you speak, we hear of demons and we speak of angels. We know that there's more angels than demons and angels are winners, demons are losers. Can somebody say amen? There were a third of angels that fell from heaven with Lucifer. They don't multiply, they don't network, contrary to some modern teaching. There's still a third. God's still the boss. The angels are still the winners. But the angels and demons function in a realm that we don't often see, but is very present. And we need to understand this in our prayer life. Because sometimes when we're praying, we're not addressing, like Daniel, things that we see, but things that we don't see. And when God solves problems in the unseen, the rewards and the breakthrough come into the scene. Everybody good? Not weirded anybody out? That's good. Now, often the only time we speak about the spirit realm is when we get weird or flaky. It's amazing. If I say spirit realm outside the church, people will talk about Ouija board. People will talk about seances. And they always go to the weird end of all things spiritual. Yet I want to go in the non-weird end that says God is spirit, that God is spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth, that there are angels present here today. You don't see them, but it doesn't make them unreal. One day you will get to heaven and thank him for the things you saw him protect you from, and then become aware of the things you never saw him protect you from, because angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. That's you and me. So there's a realm that's present that we all see in, flesh and blood, but there's also a very real, if not more real realm, that's present right now, not in heaven, but also here, which is called the spirit realm. Weirdos, flakes, false prophets operate negatively in that realm, getting lies from the devil for people who will pay for them, we understand that God is the Lord of that realm. He's the Lord of heaven and of earth. And we can approach God and know breakthrough happening in the unseen like Daniel that brings rewards and breakthroughs into this one. Right. So there's a spiritual warfare that should be a part of a person's life. And sometimes when we pray, it involves dealing with different realms 
including the spiritual realm. So, okay, parent, you're going after a problem it, that your child is going through. Your child is being drawn. I'm just trying to earth this out. Your, your child's going through things that seem to be pulling them away from God. Naturally, you can talk to your child and you can pray with your child. The good news is you don't have to stop there. You can go to your prayer closet and say, Lord, who's the Lord of the spiritual realm, I bind the work of every plan of the devil over my child's life. I ban distraction. I ban every lie and intention of the devil to take my kid away from you, God. Right now, I do war in an unseen place, all right? Unsaved family. That's why we've got to understand spiritual warfare. We do battle in the unseen that brings the rewards in the seen. We all good? So two key foundational passages that we're going to use today that talk about spiritual warfare is Corinthians 10 and Ephesians 6. So let's look first at Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, For though we live in the world, the natural realm, we, God's people, do not wage war as the world does. We're not slapping each other around the head. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowing or the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So here it opens up that we are in the world, but we do war in an unseen world. When we pray, we affect things in the unseen that bring manifestation or fruit into the scene. Every parent that's in this room that's ever prayed for their child would say it wasn't about the moment the child encountered God. It was the days and the weeks and the years that they were on their knees fighting for that child. I want to encourage us to be people who understand spiritual warfare, are not weird about it, flaky, but we understand that when we pray like Daniel, we cause things to happen in the spiritual realm that cause breakthrough for us and others. Let's look at what Ephesians says. This is a large passage of scripture, but there's such gold in there regarding this subject that we're looking at. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in his mighty power. Pull on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, here's a key verse, for our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. When we pray, we're not sorting out the flesh and the blood of the problem. We're dealing with influences, authorities, principalities, and powers that have been controlling situations. And in the spiritual, in our prayer, we're breaking the authority of a loser devil and releasing the word, the will, and the power of God. 
See, we've got to understand that when we pray, just because we don't see what's happening, when we intercede, just because we don't see instantly what's happening, we've got to understand there's more happening than you could imagine. Then it carries on in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled to your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in its place, your feet shed with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, it says, which it requests. It says, with, it says verse 18, and pray in the Spirit. Remember, we, we learned about praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Want to underline again? When we pray, we don't deal with the flesh and the blood of what's happening. We deal with what's happening in the unseen that brings a change to the flesh and the blood situation. So there's three things that are mentioned here. Number one, it underlines that there are different realms. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. We struggle not with flesh and blood. But rather we function in Ephesians says, a heavenly realm. Number two, there's armor that we can wear because if you're on a battlefield, you want armor, right? Why are you on a battlefield? Because you're doing warfare. Why did Paul say, make sure you're wearing the armor of God? Because he said, you may not realize it, but you are in a war and there's no demilitarized zone. If you belong to God, you are in a war and you're on his side. There's no hiding in trenches. If you don't belong to God, unknowingly, you're with the devil and you're on his side. But we know God wins. But when we pray, we walk on the battlefield of our life and the battlefield of others. And we bring victory in and we remain unharmed. Why? Because we're wearing armor. We have a shield that blocks the arrows of the devil, according to Paul. And a sword, which is the word of God, that isn't just defensive, it's offensive. Isn't it wonderful that God gives us the ability not to take a beating, but to fight back? How do you fight back? Jesus showed us how. When the devil came to him in the wilderness, he said, do this. What was Jesus' response? Come on, this was the son of God. He could have confused the devil till he didn't know he was coming or going. But that wouldn't have been an example to us of our spiritual warfare. So Jesus said, let me show the church how to do this. The only way he ever responded to the devil was, it is written. It is written. It is written. You see, when the devil comes with a lie in the unseen to the mind of who you are, you can't respond with common sense. You need to know the word of God, pick up the sword of the spirit and say, devil, you are a liar. I wage war with that lie. You will not have my children. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Bible says that there is no greater joy than my children are walking in the truth. Devil, I slay your lie and your intentions but I didn't do that when anyone was watching 
I did it on the battlefield of personal prayer. And it says you need to be praying in the spiritual language. Let me grab verse 12 from the Amplified Version. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against rulers and against powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly, supernatural, unseen places. If you want to see freedom in a child, if you want to see freedom in a marriage, if you want to see freedom for someone that's sick, you've got to know how to do war in the unseen realm of the spiritual realm to see the victories. Otherwise, you're nothing more than a counselor. Talking to people about their problems in a natural way. Sometimes that's not enough, amen. I love counselors, I love all that. But my experience as a pastor is often when people need a breakthrough, they need something from a heavenly realm to come into a natural realm. We need to be able to function as humans who live in a natural realm, but are also able to reach into a spiritual realm to release miracles. Okay. Now, it says struggling not with flesh and blood. What does that look like? It means that we're not trying to slap everybody physically we're dealing with things spiritually. Because often, it's not what the person's doing that needs to be sorted out. It's the influence that's making them do it. The addict is subject to the addiction. The addiction is broken in spiritual warfare. Freedom comes to the addict. Now, even Jesus modeled this in that incredible moment when... Um, you can read about it in Mark 16, 23. Peter just had a high-flying moment. He'd been in this moment where Jesus has said, who do people say I am? And he'd responded, you are the, the son of God. You are the Messiah. Jesus had turned to him, picked him out of the crowd and went, that's awesome. Heaven, uh, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You got this from another place that's present, right? So the next thing he does, Jesus begins to talk about how he's going to go to the cross. Peter, who's still living in the glory of the moment he just experienced, steps forward and says to Jesus, I will not let you die. Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Did Peter just become Satan? When he had a moment that was such glorious just seconds before? No, Jesus wasn't so much addressing Peter he was addressing the influence that was trying to use Peter to stop him going to the cross he had to go to. Now, be careful with this. I knew a man that said to his wife, get behind me, Satan. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. Be careful where you pull this one out. I actually knew the man. I was like, you're an idiot. So it teaches us that we should be wearing the armor that we tell our kids to, that we should be conscious of another realm, that when we pray, we deal, things, we deal with things in an unseen realm that bring freedom into a natural realm. Okay, ever so quickly, the second thing we need to understand is that we have God-given authority. When you pray, you need to understand you're not praying with your natural authority. But Jesus has given you his name and his authority so that when you pray 
to things that are influencing others, including the demonic, you have the authority of the King of Kings to say stop and see things stop. When we pray, we pray with God-given authority. Now, time doesn't allow, but there was a journey of authority given, authority lost that happened in the Garden of uh, Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, where in the beginning, God made man in his own image. God made man and women in his image. He made them and positioned them in the garden. He gave them authority to rule over, you can read this in Genesis, every creeping thing, everything. In the Garden of Eden, the liar, which is Satan, came in as a snake and caused Adam and Eve in their rebellion and their treason to hand over the authority that God had given to them to rule and reign to him. That's where the devil got authority in this life. And authority remained away from God's children until Jesus rose from the dead. The moment Jesus died on the cross as humanity, he went to hell, released every prisoner. When he rose, before he ascended, the Bible says he gave authority. Who to? The church. That we would again rule and reign over every creeping thing and the devil is the biggest creep of them all i thought that was a better amen moment now i thought, I thought it was kind of okay i'm talking about creeps some of the young ladies are talking thinking about some guy at school yeah he's a creep yeah you have authority over him tell him to get lost leave you alone hey young ladies any guy that wants to live with you like the world teaches you have authority with him tell him to go away get saved and then come back Come on, we live a better way, a kingdom life. I'm going to stop there before I get into trouble. <laughs> All right, a couple of verses, Matthew 28. <clears throat> then Jesus came and said to them, all, not some, all authority, the authority that he'd lost to Adam, he now regained through his obedience on the cross. It was the disobedience of Adam that lost the authority for man. It was the obedience of Jesus, the last Adam, that regained the authority for man. We're not dreaming here. We've been given authority. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now let's move to Luke 10, verse 19 to 20, where it says clearly, Jesus speaking not just to the first church, but to us as well, every follower, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all of the power. Did it say some? All of the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice in this, that spirits know your name. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So Jesus said, I lost authority in Adam. I came to earth and I took it back. Before ascending, I gave it back to the sons and daughters of Adam, who now have become followers, born again, people made in my image and likeness. You good with me? All right. Now... This means that we can pray in Jesus' name, not just using it, but from it. Because when we're born again, our lives are hidden in Christ. 
when we understand our lives are hidden in Christ, when we speak to things that are not of God, it's as if he speaks, unless you don't know that your life is in Christ. Now, authority trumps power every time. You could have, you could have a little eight-stone policeman and a truck driver in a truck. Who's got more power? The truck. But the moment the police officer with his police badge steps out in front of the truck, power submits to authority. Doesn't matter how big you are, how loud you are. When you understand the authority that Jesus Christ has given you over all the works of the devil, you do warfare in prayer that releases things over cities. Okay, there's another subject that we often talk about. It's called binding and loosing. It's another kind of freaky title if you're new to church. What does that mean? Jesus gives you authority to bind things and to loose things. To bind things that are not of his kingdom and loose things that are. Let me read you these verses from Matthew 18. Truly I tell you, Jesus speaking, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Two realms, earth, heaven, natural, spiritual. What you bind in the natural will be bound in the spiritual. But here's a good bit. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, it carries on speaking about being in agreement of prayer. It follows on into that. But did you catch what I just said? That when we understand that we don't just live in a natural realm, but we have influence and authority in the spiritual realm, when we pray, we bind things on earth and they're bound in the spiritual. But also, we loose things on earth. Why? Because we have the authority of Jesus Christ to bind and loose. And the things that we loose are released. In Jesus' name, I lose salvation over Portsmouth. In Jesus' name, I release healing over every sick person in this room. I'm praying according to the will of God, but according to his word, what I bind or loose on earth, because I know my life is in Christ, and Christ has given me authority to bind and loose, so it is. Jesus said, as he is, so are we on the earth. Man, the earth wouldn't stand a chance if we knew who we were. How about we discover, amen? Okay, kingdom authority supersedes natural or other authorities. When we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, name above all names, the authority and the kingdom we represent supersedes the authority and the kingdom of any other thing, including the devil. Now, if you read through the life of Jesus, you'll see that a lot of the time he didn't even need to speak. He just turned up and devils begged to leave. We're not dealing with a presidential election. We're not dealing with a close arm wrestle. God is the winner man. And when he turns up, everything that's not of his kingdom begs to leave, unless we don't believe in the king and the kingdom. Kingdom living means that to the degree we acknowledge the kingdom of God over our lives and in our lives is the degree that we operate in the authority. 
Remember, there's a horrible story in the New Testament of some people that wanted to be followers, but they didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. They were called the sons of Sceva. And all of a sudden, they started trying to deal with demonic things. And the demonic things turned to them and said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, who are you? And it didn't turn out well for them. Let's focus on Jesus we know, Paul we know. We need to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ that we know him and we're known by him. And every demonic force, every plan of a devil knows we know it. Then we speak, we bind, we loose. Right, let's bring this in for a landing. We've been given the name above all names to use. Isn't that incredible? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are now ambassadors for him. What does an ambassador do? He turns up in a foreign land. He turns up in a place that belongs to God and brings rule and reign of the one he represents. Come on, we bring God's rule and reign of healing to sick people. We bring God's rule and reign of freedom to people oppressed, addicted, captive in any way. When we pray your kingdom come, we're not talking about a kingdom far, far away. We're talking about a kingdom that's among us, even though it's unseen, and a kingdom that's in us if we belong to Jesus. When we say kingdom come, we pray, God, let your rule and reign, your authority, your wholeness, your correctness break out to the place that we're speaking. All right, application time. We like a bit of application in family church, don't we? Number one, be aware of the two realms and that any breakthrough that you need may have to do more with the things that are happening in the unseen than the things in the scene. You can spend your time arguing with your children or a situation, or you can hit your knees and do business with God and see Him bring breakthrough. Pray in the understanding. Number two, pray in the understanding for the things that you understand in the spirit for things you don't. Number three, know how to separate people and things from what's influencing them. When you do spiritual warfare, you deal with, like Daniel, the things that were happening that were causing interference. You clear the airwaves so that the sound of God can break through. Number four, make sure you're wearing the armor of God, carrying the sword. Man, we could preach on that for a whole other session, but I haven't got time. Number five, use your God-given authority to begin to bind and loose things in what we call the spirit realm. Don't just get into arguments with people in the natural realm. Number six, remember you don't speak to enemy forces without authority. But when you speak to the devil, his demons, a lie, an addiction, there's a ring on your finger that says you represent a king and a kingdom. And this is the final one. Realize that they may use the name of Jesus to blaspheme and have fun. But the Bible says every devil and devilish thing trembles at his name. In this realm, we see people using the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, in mockery, in blasphemy, thinking they're cool. Oh, if they could see what happens when that name is mentioned, 
in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, when you say Jesus with conviction, every devil hits its knees and leaves the building. When you say Jesus, every sickness has to submit. Let's not live like people unaware. Let's not reduce the name of Jesus to being a word we fit in to a Netflix film or a conversation when we're not articulate enough not to swear. Let's understand name above all names. Let's be careful when we use that name. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Did you get something? Did I manage to take something that was potentially difficult and make it understandable? Everybody inspired to pray. Everybody inspired to do spiritual warfare. Come on, you can change things in your life if you put these things into practice. You can change things in this city if enough of us put these things into practice. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, things happening in dark places. When we pray, God turns the light on. I love that. People have written books about the dark places. There was a series of books called In This Present Darkness. It was all too darkness fascinated for me. I said, I want to write a book called Will Somebody Turn the Light On? Listen, every time when we pray and we understand what happens when we're praying, we turn a light on, we strike a match, darkness is dispelled. You may have a room full of darkness. Light a small match and darkness is ruined. Every time a saint prays, darkness is cast out. Light breaks forth. People are saved. People are healed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you've been away from God, and today you say, I know this world is messed up. I need to make sure my life is in the ark here. I need to make sure my life is as it should be with God. We want to give you an opportunity. Can we pray together, church? Would you pray with me here online if you're watching? Would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus Christ your only beloved son came in the flesh and died on a cross for my sin and separation. I receive what you've done for me, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I give my life to you today. Come fill me with your spirit. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer here in person or online. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And all you're saying is, yes, Andy, I prayed that prayer for me. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. It's not about what the people with you are thinking. It's about, is this your moment to get right with God? Here we go. One, two, 
three. Is there anyone today that needs to give their life to Jesus? Would you put your hand up nice and high for me? God bless you. I see that one hand. Is there a second person today? Anybody else? God bless you. There's a hand over here as well. Is there a third person today? Come on. Anybody that's not right with God, you don't need to leave with a question mark. You don't need to leave with a question mark. Is there a third person? There's a th no, it wasn't. That was somebody moving. Is there a third person? A third person today. Anybody else? And you say, me too, Andy. Father, I thank you for these two people. Let heaven break out over their lives and within their lives today. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you lifted your hand, please would you give us just a couple of minutes at the back, my right, your left. We've got some precious people that just want to give you some literature, give you some stuff and see how we can help you more. Are you ready for the blessing, church? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you, each and every one, and give you peace. Have a great week.